I appreciate y'all coming in on Sunday. Tell the kids we said hi. ICP and same child. Y'all got y'all's kids together. I hope y'all have been hashtagging ICP and saying child posse on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Uh, this is gonna be all these church people hashtagging ICP, and then the insane clown posse is gonna be like, "What's going on?" Which very confused. We're trending in the Southern Baptist Convention. Like, <laughs> where's the bacon? No, no. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I need to laugh this morning. Listen, I hope everybody is doing well. Listen, everybody has had that moment where they feel like a heathen when they come to church. I feel like that this morning. I forgot my Bible this morning. I was running a little bit behind doing all the, the, the Mother's Day stuff like that, and I forgot my Bible. And I've been getting kind of very used to using my tablet for everything. So if you see me kind of take a little minute to um, bump over to the verses, it's because I had to grab one of the Bibles here and highlight the Bible verses um, that we have on there. But also having one here, but I just want to give you guys a heads up just about that. Um, I'm hoping everybody, like I mentioned earlier, is having a good Mother's Day. It's a beautiful day outside. Get out, walk the boulevard, social distance, call your mom up. Um, I'm going to call my mom. I've thought about her a lot this week as we've been going through this sermon series. She actually provided me the book that I'm using as a reference point. So it has all of her notes in there. And I've been thinking and praying about her a lot. So shout out to my mama right now and my wife and such. But um, this week, we are actually going to, um, I thought we were going to do two parts of the full armor of God, but we're just going to focus on the shield of faith, which is found in Ephesians 6, verses 16 through 17. When we talk about faith, I always have this vision of like the old grandma who's seeing like their son or their daughter or their grandparent or their grandson or granddaughter who's maybe going through like a hellish situation. It feels as though like the floodwaters are overcoming them in life. Maybe they're looking at a financial situation that's bad, a medical issue. Um, maybe they're just dealing with some emotional upheaval. And I just imagine a little grandma walking in and just being like, baby, you just, you just got to keep faith. You, you got to keep faith in God. And it, I think it's easier for them in that moment, maybe because they've lived this longer life and they've built up this faith in God for them just to say, go ahead and build your faith up, baby girl. I'm like, I don't need faith right now. I need help. I'm hurting. I'm physically in pain or maybe I'm spiritually just feeling up people. And I feel like it's a slap in the face sometimes when people say, just have faith. Just have faith and continue forward. Believe God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And for us who, who may be young in faith, or even if we've had years in this, when we face the situations, the attack of the enemy, you don't want to just hear something as simple as just have faith, just to continue to believe. But when we talk about faith, I believe it's not an anemic tool that we have to combat the devil. It's one of the strongest tools that we have. There's a reason that it's called the shield of faith. It means that it will defend you when the enemy is attacking you. When the enemy is coming at you full throttle 100%. God is saying, just have faith in my promises. Have faith in my character. Have faith in who I am. And the more that we cultivate this faith, I believe and know that we will be invincible. We will be able to withstand any attacks that the enemy may bring up against us. When we talk about the, the full armor of God and we start to look at applying the full armor to our lives when we look at having the belt of truth and we talk about walking with the shoes of peace you've got to understand that the belt of truth is going to keep you grounded in knowing what god's word says but then also your feet are going to keep you stable on the foundation of the word and while you are on that foundation of the word when you are being attacked 
as we will be. It's you putting up your shield of faith and remembering that you are on God's firm foundation. You're not going to be shaken by what the world or anybody else says if you truly believe and trust unto God. And it is by faith that you can be led by God through the storms and through the situations. Today we're going to talk about how do we cultivate this invincible faith. How do we cultivate this invincible faith? And what is it that we are being attacked by? How do we overcome these items and these situations in life? I want to give a reminder before we kind of jump into learning how we stand firm in the gospel and learning how we use our shield of faith. I want to give you guys a reminder. These are things that help us to stand firm in our faith. The four reminders I want to give you, if you're taking notes, I'd write these down, post them on your wall, tweet them, do whatever you want to do after this, but, you know, keep them because I believe it's worthwhile for us to have this. The first reminder I want to give you guys is this, is that God has already objectively defeated Satan and his agenda. God has already defeated Satan and his agenda. He's already delivered you from your sins. And the penalty and the power and the ultimately he's delivered you he will deliver us from sin's presence in the interim we are involved in this battle but it's having faith and remembering that God has already defeated Satan and we are not going to be swayed by the enemy if we continue to have faith in God secondly it's this as believers you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light as believers, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light with all rights, with all privileges, and a position being a child of God. Meaning that you are the son and the daughter of a king. That means that you have all of the resources that the king has for us. Everything that we read in the Bible, God's Holy Spirit to guide our lives, to be that comforter, to bring us to truth, and to empower us to overcome insurmountable odds and situations, you now are endowed with that same power to defeat the enemy. It's encouraging to know that. The third one is this. The spiritual battle that we face involves our responsibility on our part to put on the spiritual protection that God has provided for us. Many of us, we say all the time, the enemy is attacking me. Well, I feel as though I can't withstand. I ask the question, are you daily putting on the character that God is giving us? As we're going through the full armor of God and we're receiving this teaching from Paul, Paul is saying that you are to put on these metaphors of what God is giving us every single day. Walk in God's truth. Let that lead your life as a belt would lead your whole body as it's being pulled along. Keep yourself firm in God's foundation as you have your feet of peace and take the peace of the gospel with you. Stand firm upon what God says and use your faith. It's not just to say, this is nice, let me just do a children's church lesson about the full armor of God. But it's daily saying, I must be reminded and be assured in the faith that I have in God's character. And you live by that character if you truly believe in what God says and how he guides your life. And lastly, this is this. This is this. Lastly, it says this. It says, the great majority of spiritual warfare need never go beyond the regular practice of living out our position by Christ in faith. That's understanding that you've already been justified by Christ. It's by faith that you receive salvation. It's not by your works. It's just saying that daily, if you practice 
putting on the full armor of God, daily in our devotional life, getting up in the morning and praying to God, getting into your word, giving over your thoughts that you know are not of God, taking those things and laying them aside and saying, God, I want you to take these right now, receiving his Holy Spirit and his guidance. These are the things that we put into practice in which we can defeat the enemy. And I think we believe that spiritual warfare is this literal time that we're going to walk outside and we're going to see Satan and we're going to feel as though he's coming up against us and we're going to like physically fight him. No, it's in your daily walk. I've said this before. It's not in the grandiose big attacks and things that happen in our lives, but it's in the minuscule and minute moments in our lives when we choose not to follow after God that the enemy can sneak in when those doubts and temptations come in and we give ourselves over to them. In that moment, your faith and saying, I continue to believe in God and oppose what the enemy says, will be able to sustain you. However, there are going to be times that you are physically attacked, mentally attacked, spiritually attacked. You're going to feel as though the enemy is coming against you. And and the Bible has told us, as we've been talking about this, is that we have to stand firm in the truth. But we also have to engage in battle. We've talked a lot about it this week when we look at the injustice that has happened in our nation. As a young black man was gunned down in Georgia, we stand firm in our faith that God will bring us about and bring about justice. But it's also understanding that we have to combat the enemy. We can't just sit aside with apathy in our home, but never actually say, I'm going to go out and maybe even attack and defend when I need to. It means that you're going to have to actually put forth, put forth a effort to combat the enemy. It's not just saying I'm going to sit back and watch what's going on in the war around me, but I have to go out. I have to fight the battle. I have to be able to defend my brothers and sisters and those who may not be able to do so for themselves. I believe today as we talk about our spiritual faith, it's not just having faith for our situation, but it's also how do we link into faith with our brothers and sisters. When we see injustice being done with our brother and sister, do we stand up with faith and on our firm foundation of what God says and how all of our brothers and sisters are worthy of Christ-like love? Do we stand up in those moments when we see injustice and wrong being done to say that it may cause me some discomfort? It may cause me my cushy place and place and situation where I'm living, but do I have enough faith to know that if I do right by God, that he will protect me and he will bless me as I need it. I pray today that as we're going out and we learn how to combat the enemy in our communities, that we don't just have passive faith, but we have active faith. I don't want anemic Christianity, but us taking together this shield of faith as we go out to the west side here and we meet people's needs, those who may be drug addicts, those who may be dealing with mental upheaval. We can go with our faith and teach our brothers and sisters by evangelizing and giving them instruction of the word. And I can stand firm in faith with them. I believe sometimes that we've got to start to apply our faith and what God says about us and our community to other people. And while they are growing, we can help shield them from some situations. But we can't be passive about it. That's why we talked last week about walking with the shoes of the peace of the gospel. That we can bring peace to someone's situation by applying our faith to their situation also. That's why it says when two or more are gathered together, we know that God is in that situation. So what does it look like? What are, what are some times that we can expect 
to be attacked. I know I'm getting kind of teachy, but I want to teach this a little bit as we are transitioning from talking about standing firm into faith to defending ourselves and actually going forward and attacking and fighting the enemy back with the, the things that God has given us. I'm going to give you five specific times when you can expect a spiritual attack. When you are taking, number one, when you're starting to take significant steps of faith and spiritual growth. How many of y'all have ever just, you came to church and you went in, you went to the altar and you was like, Jesus, I need you. And you, you made that declaration of faith. And maybe you were at home and you're like, God, I've given this up to you, God. I know that you're in me. I know that you're living in me. And you start to put into practice spiritual applications and spiritual growth. You start off with saying, I'm going to read my Bible in the morning. I'm going to read at night. I'm going to pray in the afternoon. I'm going to take the time and say, I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to give more to reading. I'm going to go and I'm going to volunteer at my church. I'm going to get involved in a ministry. I want to go out and I want to help my brothers and sisters. The devil is perfectly fine with you attending church every single Sunday and Wednesday and having a passive faith that does nothing. The devil is perfectly fine with you exercising your anemic faith to show up and to throw something in the offering plate every once in a while and sit in the back of the church pew and never say a word. The devil is perfectly fine with that. It's when you actually start to exercise and develop spiritual growth in your life in your local church that the enemy will attack you. Many of us, I talk to a lot of new believers and stuff, they just feel like it's like, I feel like I'm battled. I feel like I'm constantly having this pressure on my life. I remember this testimony of my dude, Jody Jermaine. I love this dude, grew up on the west side, lives in Columbus, Ohio. I'm gonna give him a shout out. I remember when he came to Christ and he just started to de delve deep into the word of God. And he was doing hip hop and he was just like, I just know and I feel like I'm being attacked by every single aspect of my life. And I remember he called me one day and he goes, you know, farmer, listen, I just got, um, you know, this invitation to go to Florida and I got this offer for 10 grand to do some songs at this club in Miami. And in my mind, I was like, boy, you better go do it. I was just messing. I was 100% messing with him. But I really saw this enact in his life. He made a declaration to God that I'm going to live for God. He made this declaration and he started to get involved into the church. He started getting involved spiritually with his life and growing. And the enemy in that moment started to hit him and combat him. He tried to come at him with what was most appealing in that moment in time, fame and fortune. And I can look back to almost five, six, seven, eight, God, probably almost 10 years now and stuff like that. At that moment that he stood firm and continued in faith and in spiritual growth, God has brought him farther than what we could ever imagine. Shout out to Jody Jermaine. I'm going to link his stuff in our Spotify. I'm putting our weekly email. I can do that. Y'all need to listen to my dude Jody Jermaine's music. He's the truth. Secondly, this is what it says. I just want to give him a plug there real quick. I hope he's listening. Secondly, this is what it says. The second time that you can expect the enemy to combat you is when you are invading enemy territory. When you are invading enemy territory, when you actively start to say, I'm going to take my shoes of peace, I'm going to take my Jordan 2s, and I'm going to go out into my community and I'm going to walk my community. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to meet people's needs where they most, where they have it the most. When I'm going to go out and I'm going to look at those people who may have not, and you start to give up your time and energy and effort and you go to teach them specifically about the gospel, that's when you're starting to invade the enemy's territory. When you start to bring light to dark places and pervasive darkness, that's when the enemy wants to fight you the most. He's perfectly fine, like I said, with us sitting in the church in our pews. But when you start to advance on his territory, 
that's when you're going to be attacked. That's when you're going to feel as though your faith is going to be challenged. Maybe it's when you're church planning. Maybe it's when you're building a ministry. I've, I've said this before that when we started this church, I said it's not been an easy thing. I, I've said this, I think, the last couple of weeks. I'm kind of thankful that we've taken somewhat of a break because we spent two years working in our community, building this church up physically, physically building the church up, and then advancing it in our community. And it hasn't been without hiccups. But it's through us continuing to have faith in our church planning group saying, I commit to doing the work of the gospel when it's hard, that we've been able to see the gospel and the word advance in our community. It's saying that when you rise something up, like Risen City, when you're saying, I'm going to pick something up out of this depth of depravity, you're going to have to do work to get to that place. And we're in that position right now, but we will continue by faith to advance the gospel because we're going to take back what the enemy has done to our neighborhoods and our communities in the West Side and in Charleston. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to be fought against. Third is this. When you start to expose Satan for who he really is, you ever like got to that place? I'm like that conspiracy, that conspiracy theory guy. I'm like all of the conspiracy theories. I start delving deep. Like I'll start watching one YouTube thing about a conspiracy theory, and I'll be like eight hours into it. I'm like, oh my god! And then I'm like, we shouldn't drink the water. When you start to get to that place, where you start to understand who Satan really is, and how he attacks you, and how he combats you in your weakest place and time. Well, then when you also start to tell everybody else and you start to evangelize and give information about who he really is, he wants to fight you. I think it's ironic that Satan wants to defile God's character, but when you start to call out who Satan really is, the truth of what he is and how he enacts and how he works, he really wants to attack you. Satan is trying to lie against God's character, which is truth. But when you start to look at the truth of who Satan is, he wants to attack you because you're calling him out for who he really is. He's the prince of lies, the prince of the air. He wants to steal God's worship. And if he knows that you can actively do so by combating the things of this world and the sin of the world and calling him out for how he's working, he will come after you. He will be in that moment in time to try to address you. For what you're doing and the intimidation may not be in the open but it'll be in the private areas of your life fourth it says this when we repent and make a clean break of the world a long held a long held pattern of sin and the holy relationship that you may have in your life when you stop and you finally say i'm going to give up this and i'm going to make a very very um strong effort to follow after god that's when Satan attacks you the most. It feels as though like you're, you're on this great spiritual high all the time when you say, I'm broken off from this. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I no longer have the shackles and the chains controlling my life. And that's when the enemy attacks you the most. May this be that you're watching TV or you're walking down the street and you get that call or that text message from someone. Hey, maybe it's even in, let's just be real, when you break off a real relationship within the world, that boy or that girl, that person that you know that is toxic for your life and your relationship, when you break that off, you feel the enemy try to attack you the most. He really wants to get you in a place where he he calls into place your own character and saying that you're not strong enough to overcome this situation. And when you break off that thing of this world, you break off the sin and unholiness is when he wants to try to draw you back in. We know that these attacks come 
but you no longer have to live under Satan's schemes. It talks about how we are living in the light of the gospel. And it's by the light of the gospel that brings us to a place where we don't longer, we no longer want to live in that darkness in that place. I believe when it talks about, I believe it's in Psalm 34, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you break free of that, that incorrect lifestyle, that, that thing that's bringing you to death and depravity, when you taste the goodness of God, you know that you want to live in an act in that. But it's not going to be without a battle. It's not going to be without the temptation still continuing to come physically and mentally in your life. And lastly, it's this, is when God is preparing us individually and corporately for a great work for his glory. When God is preparing us individually and corporately for a great work in his glory. I can attest that I have a lot, I have a lot of trouble sleeping a lot. But I can attest that I know I'm attacked the most at night with just mental upheaval and battles when I feel as though God is going to do something significant in my life. I know it's hard to explain, but I feel as though when, when I know I'm hit with the most temptation, things that I haven't even dealt with in 10 or so years, when I feel that temptation creeping in, I'm like, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? Why am I being attacked by this? I've not even wanted to do this for 10 or so years. Why is it coming at me? Why is God bringing up things from my past into my life to try to defer me from where God is taking me to? And those are the moments that you have to stop and you have to say to yourself, why is it that I have these issues, these moments in time, and you have to enact in that moment and think to yourself, how do I protect myself from these attacks? They are very real attacks. By wearing the spiritual armor, you can still stand firm, but how do we defer and deflect the bombardment by the spiritual opposition, and how do we engage and win these battles? I believe that the church right now is in a place where God is preparing us during this COVID and during this isolation time to be able to come out stronger than ever. I believe that's why many people are probably facing the worst temptations that they ever had in their life. I, I firmly believe that God has been calling the church out of this place of comfort by coming to your church every single Sunday and sitting passively in your pews. And he's been trying to call people to a deeper depth of relationship with him so he can show you who you are in your individual identity so you can go out and shake up the issues in the world around us. No longer does he want the church to sit passively in the building. But are you being prepared right now? Are you preparing yourself to be able to go out when this is all over with and say, I want to walk with the shoes of peace in my community and bring about other people to the right relationship with God. God is preparing us right now, but I know that's why you are being attacked the most. I believe it's because God is showing you a value in yourself and the enemy is trying to take that away because he doesn't want you to know who you truly are as a son and a daughter of God. You have already defeated the enemy and you have every tool as a prince and the princess of God so you can overcome these situations. So how do we cultivate invincible faith that will quench the fiery darts of the evil one? How is it that when you are being physically attacked, how do you enact this faith? Because just like that old grandma, just be like, you just go, you just have some faith, baby girl. You just you keep faith in God. That's what we hear a lot of the time. So how do we actually enact this faith in our lives? 
How, how do we apply this to our lives, our situation? Ephesians 6 and 16 through 17, Paul gives us two parts of instruction. He says this. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There are two things that we see with this. Two commands that he gives us in verse 16. Number one, he says this. The active part is to take up the shield of faith. He means that you have got to actively start to apply the faith that you have in God in all of your situations. The, the visual that we have of this shield is that in Roman times, there were two types of shields that there would be done. There would be a small kind of hand shield that would maybe be a couple of feet around that a person would work with and advance with. But the shield that we are seeing in this context mean is one of the shields that we see that the Roman soldiers, that they would go into battle as they were about to fight. They would put up these shields that were about four foot high, and they were about two foot wide. And it had hooks on both sides of the shield, and they would link together with their shields in a row that all of the soldiers could advance without exposing themselves to the incoming arrows and the attacks of the enemy. The, the actual physical structure of the shield was built in such a way that it was layered. So it would be this wood shield with a layer of metal on the front covered with leather on it. The reason that it was built this way is that they could put gaps within the different layers of this shield so that when the flaming arrows, people would have flaming arrows that they would shoot at the Roman soldiers, they would have these flaming arrows come at them. And the flaming arrows could penetrate into the shield far enough to quickly be extinguished. So it means that this is that you have to take up your shield of faith. You have to actively work in saying and applying the promises of God and believing what God has said about your life and your situation and believing what God's character says about who you are and the objective reality that the gospel is what we stand upon and that God has justified you through Christ by his saving faith. It's rooted in the objective that the gospel is how we are to live our lives and how we are to defend ourselves. So from a real life perspective, we see that these fiery darts and these arrows that the adversary are throwing at us every single day. We see and we know that these darts are actually the schemes and the temptations and the lies and the attacks at God's people. And their goal is to shift our focus from God until something or someone in that moment can overtake the attention that we are giving to God. Their goal is to shift it away from God's character. We know what it looks like in the late night hours. We know that the enemy wants to get us to be afraid or guilty or be condemned by our sins or get discouraged or lose hope in these moments that we should have dependency upon God. He wants to take away your dependency upon God and he wants to draw the attention to something of the world. Maybe it's a boy. Maybe it's a girl. Maybe it's a, uh, an item that we covet or lust after. The enemy knows our weakest points, but it's by us applying the shield that we are able to effectively respond to these furious darts. It is by believing what God has already said. When we sense the darts of doubt and deception, we raise up our shields of faith, which can extinguish everything that the enemy flings at us. We apply the specific truth of God's word to our personal situations as soon as we are aware of the incoming text. 
claiming God's promises by faith and entrusting in his unchanging character and holding up the truth will deflect and extinguish all the enemy's lies regardless of what form they may take which these incoming flames take faith overcomes those attacks faith will help you to apply your understanding of who God is to your life so you can be able to overcome the enemy and I think it's not just ironic that in here it talks about how these four foot tall shields and these two foot wide shields were linked together you were meant to live in fellowship with your brothers and sisters so I can apply my faith to my brother or my sister's situation I'm not to meant to live this life out in isolation by myself. I'm meant to have my faith in God's character. And when I have fellowship with my brothers and sisters, I then can link chains and armor. And I can walk in fellowship with my brothers and sisters in my um, individual life and my church. And then also as the church as a whole. I often think to myself, what would happen if the church would stop bickering and backbiting against each other? And if we all linked arms together and what the gospel says, how could we then take the word of God out in faith for us to advance forward with the gospel? What if we all understood that we all can walk with the shoes of peace and the mandate is to evangelize to our brothers and sisters? And instead of looking at the fear that the enemy throws at us, the discomfort that we may feel when we go out and we evangelize and advance the gospel, but we look at our faith in all situations. What happens when the church actually starts to apply faith over our fears of what the world may say against us? Let's be honest, in the American church, many of us don't have to worry about physical attacks by anybody or even by Satan, but it's in the mental upheaval and even us having our identity questioned by our brothers and sisters and those who are around us that the enemy wins the battle because we don't apply our faith to our situation. I think about how crazy some of these people in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament looked when they started to apply their faith to what God was doing in their life. When they started to have faith in the reality of who God was and what his character said, they were able to move mountains in their lives. They were able to do great works and advance the gospel, but it's gonna come at the cost of you having to lay aside what the world may think or say about you? Are we willing to say that I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring salvation to my brothers and sisters? Or am I going to say that I am ashamed of what the word says and passively sit aside while the world around us burns? Many of us are fine with our personal salvation, but I really want us to get to a place where we walk with the peace of the gospel, walk with the faith of the gospel. And I apply my faith to my brothers and sisters' situation so they can then overcome the attacks of the enemy also. The reason it talks about this shield of faith being built the way it is, it also talks about how when the flaming darts would come, it extinguishes the fires that could be done in our lives. It's the understanding that not only does this fiery dark come at me, but God forbid that I am hit with that, that that fire could actually come and engulf me and everything that's around in my camp. So it's having this shield of faith that not only protects yourself, but it'll protect everyone and everything else around you by quenching the flames that would spread in those moments of time. It's the reality that we look at in Hebrews 11, and I'm not going to read through it all, but we talk about what faith is. It's the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is unseen and not seen. 
For our ancestors were able to understand that the universe was created by God's commandment so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. It was by the faith that Abel had a better offering than his brother Cain did. And by faith that he was approved as a righteous man because God approved the gifts that he had brought. It's by faith that a man named Noah built an ark when everybody around him was probably like, this cat is crazy. He is building an ark. It has never rained before. And he is building a boat. Why is this man building a boat? But he had faith in what God had said and commanded him to do and not what the world was saying about him. He didn't care about the hatred that was coming up again. He didn't care about the people that were calling into question his character. He believed firmly in what God's word said, and he was able to do a great work with God. By faith, he was commended. He was condemned by the world, but he was commended by God as an heir and a righteousness when it comes to faith. It's by faith that Abraham and Sarah, by obeying God, were able to see their son come forth. And he was able, as a foreigner in the land, in a tent with Isaac and Jacob and co-heirs of the same promise to see the nation of Israel and see this expansion of God's people. It's by faith in you believing in these moments and times that something may seem impossible. You do what your granny said. You keep on having faith. God's going to be there for you. And I believe that there's value in when we say what our grandparents, these older people of faith, may know. Because they've walked with God through some situations that we could probably never understand in life. And as you start to walk this life out with God, you're going to exercise your faith in situations, in the moments in life. And I believe it's through you exercising that faith that you are then able to overcome these attacks. And you grow in your faith and knowing. And you have these moments and pillars in your life where you can sit back and say, I remember 10 years ago. When I got out of that toxic relationship and I realized that, that I wasn't living right by you, God, that I was able by faith to get out of that moment and that time and that attack and that relationship. And I continued in my faith when it was really hard, when I lost all my friends, when, when I physically felt as though I wasn't going to make it, when I cried myself asleep at night every single night, when I feel as though I was at my, my deepest place of loneliness, I kept in faith that God would bring me through this situation. When you're physically having the attacks in your body and you, you feel as though you can't move and you can't go on and you're going through that chemo or you're going through these doctor's treatments and you're going through situations that nobody can diagnose, it's saying, God, I trust unto you and your healing hand in my life to bring me through this situation. Even if not, I know that I'm in your hands and by faith I trust your will for my life. It's in those moments and times when you're walking through your neighborhood and you're working in the community and you feel as though you're not worthy enough. You feel as though the work that you're doing isn't advancing like everybody else says it should. You start to look to your left or to your right. You start to look at everybody else's ministry and how their lives are advancing. And we let jealousy and pride and envy creep into those moments and situations. At that time when you say, God, I'm going to have faith in who you have called me to be as an individual and my identity in you, I choose to trust under what your God says and who you have spoken for me to be and not the world and what the enemy may want me to be. It's by faith that you continue to move forward when everybody else around you might, may abandon you, but God is still walking with you. 
Psalm 84, 11 and 12, it reminds us, he says, For the Lord is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk upright. Verse 12, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. As he is our shield of faith, he will keep us. And in Numbers 23 and 19, it's a reminder in trusting in God's character for our lives and his promises. It says, For God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and has he not fulfilled it before in life? Y'all, we've been through situations when we feel hopeless, but remember what is God has brought you through in life. If you trust God enough with your personal salvation for you to make a confession of faith, trust God enough to guide your life. If you trust him with your soul, let's trust him in every single situation of our lives, giving ourselves over fully and committing to God. I pray today that those of us who may be struggling with our faith, and the enemy creeps in and he calls into question your salvation. He calls into question your character. He calls into question who you are as a believer. That we remember that we are to put on the full armor daily and exercise this character. As I said earlier, the extent of our spiritual battles that we are going to face are going to be the, the application. Or we can defend it in the application of putting on the full armor daily. Walk, waking up in the morning and saying, God, the belt of truth is going to sustain and keep my armor in place. And I live by your truth and I choose to be guided by your truth of what the word says. I choose as I walk out into my workplace or as I walk out into the world to walk with the peace that I have in you, God, and what your word says. That you can speak to the storm and I know that it will be calmed. And by also having faith and declaring the promises of God for my life in every single situation that we can overcome. I pray today as we take of our communion that we remember the righteousness of God, that he did not forsake or abandon us. In Romans 8 and 32, it tells us that he did not forsake his son. So how much more would he give to us? How much more will he continue to uphold us if we just put our trust unto God? Trust is something that has to be grown and developed. And it becomes more aware and it becomes easier the more and more you grow in a personal relationship. So I pray that during this COVID that we start to grow and develop a depth of faith that is unimaginable, the unspeakable faith that our ancestors in the Old Testament and then even in the New Testament had to believe that God's perfect will for our life will sustain us and it will help us to withstand and be able to defend against the enemy. We're going to take a minute to go ahead and um, get ready to take our communion. Um, if you guys want to get your elements together, we're going to get our elements together here also. Um, I'm going to pass them. Give you guys a minute.
to forgive me because I don't have my Bible bookmark. I had to grab one of the ones that was here to get to Luke chapter 22 to read our communion verses. So in Luke chapter 22 and verse 19, Jesus, as they're doing the first Lord's Supper, he takes of the bread and he gives thanks to it. And he breaks it and he gives it to them and saying, this is my body, which I have given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the understanding that in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, all of them. They had faith that Jesus Christ was going to come and that he was going to be the sacrifice and the atonement for our sins. They lived their life out never seeing Jesus Christ or this works that he has done, but they kept faith in doing so. So let's, as we today remember our faith in what the body and the blood has done for us as we take up the bread in remembrance of Jesus Christ, take up the body. And in verse 20, it says, In the same way he took up the cup after the supper, and he said, This is my cup, this is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. And in this moment, he took up the cup, the new, the blood of the covenant. And in this moment, we're looking at the type and shadows of how they would bring these sacrifices yearly and annually. And that would be a perfect blemishless, spotless sacrifice before God for the atonement of their sins. And Jesus Christ, as told in the Old Testament, was going to be the atonement for our sins as the coming Messiah. Take up blood, take up our cup. Amen, amen. Look at that, y'all. I got us out here by 12 o'clock. I'm back on my Southern Baptist phase right now. We wasn't missionary Baptist today. Um, we appreciate this. I'm excited for us to um, jump into the, sh the, the helmet of salvation for next week. Um, and then we'll finish out this series in the next two or three weeks. We'll have some information about how we're going to gather together here at Risen City. Like I mentioned, um, we'll be jumping into another sermon series right after this. We'll be popping into the book of Matthew for a little while before we jump into the book of Romans later on this year. But um, we are going to go ahead and sing our doxology, and we'll be dismissed out of here. You guys want to sing it with me? One and two and three. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Peace be with you guys. God bless you. We will see you guys on the live next week, possibly midweek. Love y'all. Have a good Mother's Day. I'm trying to learn.